What if you were the person that people trusted so much that they didn't have to have their guard up and have it look like they have it all together and look like they're all perfect and polished and clean and everything's okay? What if you were the person that they felt like comfortable enough to actually talk about what's real so that they could get to the gold? Right, because you don't get to gold without first digging through a lot of dirt. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, we're on part three of what is probably going to be a six-part series that is rooted in one fundamental idea and principle, and that's that the highest calling of a leader is to unleash the best in others. And this really connects to the idea that if you are a leader, your individual performance is, of course, necessary, but that is actually simply a prerequisite to you getting to do the work of leadership because leadership is less about your individual performance and more about your ability to multiply the efforts of the people around you. And we said that in that pursuit of unleashing the best in others, you're going to need to wear multiple hats. Sometimes you're going to need to wear the hat of CEO, sometimes mentor, sometimes manager, sometimes vision caster, sometimes facilitator. Uh, And in many cases, one of the most impactful hats that you can wear is the hat of coach. And so we said that if you want to be a great leader, then you're going to have to learn how to be a great coach. And what's so cool is this is literally what our organization does, right? We provide team training, coaching, and teaching that help impact-driven leaders practice healthy growth. And one of the things that we've learned and started to use in training and developing coaches within our organization is to focus on five qualities of effective coaching. Now, are there more qualities that you can focus on to be an effective coach? Of course, of course there are. But these are the five that we focus on, and these are the five that we hold Path for Growth coaches accountable. These are the five that I'm constantly trying to work on and striving to attain and striving to embody. And these are the five that I truly believe will create the greatest return for not only you, but for the people that you lead. And what we found is that because of the way our business model is structured, where the people who are coaches in our organization are people who either have owned a business or currently own a business. So it's not like they have this career long coaching experience. We're taking people that have a leadership experience and teaching them how to be a great coach. What we've learned is that, man, if we can focus on these five things and if we can get really, really effective in these five areas, you can really serve people. And so I just wanted to share that with you. So I'm going to run you through the five qualities and we've already been through the first quality, and we did an overarching intro episode as well that I would recommend you listen to if you're really interested in this content. But quality number one was relational because we said people don't care what you know until you show that you care. Number two is the one that we're going to focus on today, and it's curious. Number three is assertive. Number four is directional. Number five is principle-based. Now, I want to hit on one thing before we really jump into this topic of curious coaching, and that's just this idea that you need to make sure you're leveraging all of these qualities in the best interest of the person that you are working with. You know, I hear this so often said about uh, specifically two books. Maybe you've read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Brilliant book, such a tactical book. Um, And some of those tactics we're actually referencing in this series. There's another really, really good book that actually one of our growth groups has been going through together called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale. You know, lots of people think it's Carnegie. I've actually been taught that it's Carnegie. Who knows what it actually is? And he's not around to correct us. But I'm sure you've heard of this book, right? This is like one of the classic. Classics. It's one of the essentials, right? And again, it's such a tactical book on how to build relationships. But what's so interesting about specifically those two books is those are two very polarizing books. On one end of the spectrum, you have people that are saying, oh, they're just such amazing books. They're so good for serving people. They're so good for investing in others. They're so good for making a difference in the lives of the people you lead. That's one side of the spectrum. On the whole other side of the spectrum, you've got so many people that are like, those books are just awful. They're just manipulating 
manipulation. You're just twisting people's arms. You're just using this, this judo to try and get people to go your way. And it's, it's so manipulative and, and it's, it's subversive and it's not good. You shouldn't read those books. And the answer is that neither of those people are right. The books are just books that are talking about things that happen to be true about human nature and motivation. It's how, but more importantly, why you use those books that makes the difference. Motive matters. And the same is true for all of this content that we're walking through with regard to coaching. You can take all of the content we're talking about, especially today, and use it to manipulate people. You can. It's absolutely possible. Don't do that, right? I hope that your motive is to serve people. And the way that we serve people is we ensure that we're leveraging what we're learning to operate in the best interest of the person that's sitting across from us. And that's so, so, so powerful and so essential for you to understand is that the reason why you are learning these things is not just so you can overcome objections and so you can get this person to talk the way you want them to talk and move the way you want them to move and get them to do what you want them to do. No, it's so you can get them to do what they want to do. You're operating in their best interest, and that's so crucial to understand. And if you're doing anything other than that, path through growth is not for you, okay? But if you're interested in that and you're saying, man, I want to learn how to most effectively serve in the best interest of the people that I lead through the context of one-on-one conversation, man, this is right up your alley. So it's in that context that we're jumping into curious. And this ties into a principle that we talk about all the time on Worth It Wednesday emails, certainly uh, on this podcast and within our membership. Good coaches give answers to people. Great coaches extract answers from people. I'm going to say it again. Good coaches give answers to people. Great coaches extract answers from people. And a lot of times when I talk about that principle specifically, we talk about it in the realm and light of questions. And certainly we're going to talk about questions today, but I would say more broadly what this relates to is curiosity. And certainly questions are one element of curiosity, but what we're going to cover today is three elements of curiosity that if you apply yourself to them, you will start extracting answers from people. And more importantly, you will help them find the answers themselves. Socrates said that learning is remembering. So often the information that we need is not information that we don't know that's outside of us that we need to figure out and be given to us. So often the information that we need, we either know it or we know how to get it and we just need to be shown that. And the way that you show people that is you extract it out of them. You don't give it to them. And that's so, so, so crucial for us to understand is that perspective. And then the other thing that I would say with regard to this element of curiosity is that if you're going to assume this role of coach and play the role of leader who is coach in someone's life on your team or maybe in your community or maybe it's someone that you're mentoring, um, one of the things that I want you to recognize is that one of the best ways that you can serve someone is by giving them the opportunity to verbally process things that matter in front of someone they trust. And the way that I can tell you this is from my experience, right? There are so many times where I sit down with either my coach who I talk with once a month or my counselor, and I just like verbally vomit, right? And I just walk through things and I say things that are dumb and I say things that are stupid. But, you know, in the midst of all that dumb and stupid that I can say because I trust those people, sometimes I say some gold and they call out that gold. And we wouldn't get to that gold if I wasn't willing to wade through the dumb and stupid stuff and I wasn't willing to do it with them. And so you need to be that person for some people. What if you were the person that people trusted so much that they didn't have to have their guard up and have it look like they have it all together and look like they're all perfect and polished and clean and everything's okay? What if you were the person that they felt like comfortable enough to actually talk about what's real so that they could get to the gold? right? Because you don't get to gold without first digging through a lot of dirt. And so I would tell you, number one, you need that person in your life because you can't provide that for people unless you're already receiving it. So make sure that you have people you trust in your life who you can verbally process things with um, so that you can get through the dirt and ultimately get to the gold. But then when you have that yourself, then you can start 
giving it to other people, right? That strength is for service. I'm going to become strong by having a relationship where I get that myself. And because I'm strong in that arena, then I'm able to effectively offer it to others. So what are we going to focus on today? And this is going to be a very tactical episode of the podcast. We're going to focus on the tone you use, the questions you ask, and the way you listen. Because we said it's not strictly about questions. So the three elements of curiosity that we're going to focus on is the the tone you use, the questions that you ask, and the way that you listen. And like I said, we're, we're going to be very tactical, especially in the questions part. I'm going to run through a lot of questions that you can use and a framework for questions that you can use to really help people move forward and grow. So let's start with the tone you use. And really, within all of this, there's kind of a principle that I want you to understand. Your tone can be the difference between an interaction and a conversation. Think about that. Your tone can be the difference between an interaction and a conversation. I'm talking to you now about the distinction of talking at people or talking with people. I'll tell you, for the longest time, and it's sometimes something that I can really struggle with, I would present to people. And and I can't fully describe it, but I think you know what it sounds like. And I try even not to do it as much on this podcast. When you talk at people, when you present to them, right, you kind of talk very assertively. And it's not even just that you're talking in absolutes, but you're talking in such a way that you don't open up for conversation. And so what I'm talking about there is your nonverbals, it's your tone, it's your body language, it's everything that you're communicating about something that you are either inviting people into the conversation or you're ending a conversation with the way you say something, right? If I tell you, hey, practicing healthy growth is something that every leader should focus on. And if I say it like that, well, that's probably the end of the conversation because you know what I believe, full stop, period. But if I say, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty sure that practicing healthy growth is something that every leader should focus on, you know? Well, now I'm talking with you. I've invited a response from you. And so are you communicating in such a way with such a tone that you have a humility about you that you're not giving absolute assertions to people with your tone, but rather you're inviting people to engage with you? And, and what this looks like is adding qualifiers. What this looks like is softening your voice some. What this looks like is having that little inflection at the end. But more than anything, it, it starts with you actually wanting them to respond. And, and so if you want people to respond, what is the best way to do it? Well, well, what is the best way to do it? And you see how that works because you can frame something as a question and it can be really, really valuable to getting people to engage and to interact with you. So what does a curious tone do? Well, a a curious tone communicates a sincere interest and desire to learn more. (laughs) I always think about that scene from Anchorman. If you haven't seen Anchorman, you should probably turn off this podcast and uh, just go turn it on right now. It's, oh gosh, it's one of the most quotable movies ever. (laughs) If you have kids around, don't turn on Anchorman right now. That probably wouldn't be wise. But there's a scene where Ron Burgundy, and I'm sure you've seen this movie before, he's an anchorman. Man, right? And he, he's on the news and there's a scene where uh, someone fills out the teleprompter with a typo. And the typo uh, is basically on his closing monologue where he says, you stay classy, San Diego. Oh, I just love this movie so much. And then of course he would say, I'm Ron Burgundy. And someone accidentally put a question mark in the teleprompter. So he says, you stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Right, right. And what's crazy is we intuitively know what happened there. We're like, oh, they added a question mark. And people freak out and say, who added a question mark to the teleprompter, right? But what that conveys is that we know what a curious tone sounds like. We know what a question sounds like. We know that you can say, I'm Ron Burgundy as a statement, or you can say, I'm Ron Burgundy as a question. And sometimes you don't have to actually ask a question to inquire about what someone thinks. Sometimes you don't always have to make a statement. Sometimes you don't always have to ask a question to inquire about what someone thinks, right? That tone is so much more inviting for people to engage with. And one of the ways that you can practice this is that you don't always have to have original content to engage in a conversation with someone. You can leverage what Chris Voss and so many other people who focus on effective and intentional communication would call mirroring, 
right? Mirroring is using three to four words from what someone just said that clearly mattered to them and kind of mirroring them or reflecting them back to them using a curious tone. I'll tell you, this tactic is wild how it works if you get good at it. And it can feel clunky at first and you can feel really awkward at first, but I I would challenge you, if you actually focus on it, you can become really, really effective at using this tactic. Now, remember, you only use tactics like this in service of the other person because this can be a dangerous one if you're not careful, right? Uh, There's a reason why Chris Voss used this in the FBI, right? And, And that was his background. But the way that I saw this play out, gosh, most dramatically is uh, I flew back. I think I flew back into Nashville. This was, uh, gosh, a, a handful of months ago now. Flew back into Nashville. I believe I was flying in from Colorado. And it was kind of late at night, and I was honestly kind of exhausted. And I, so I was kind of planning uh, on just sitting in the back of the Uber and just kind of socially checking out, which I feel bad to say because, I, I, you know, it, it's probably good to take that opportunity to invest in someone. But as I'm sure you've experienced before, it was just clear that the person whose car I got into was a very sociable guy, and he wanted to talk. And uh, I, I was kind of like, okay, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And then finally something clicked. And I said, no, you're, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to invest in people. Like, take the time, put down your phone, and actually talk to this guy and go all in. I, and I just thought to myself, okay, I'm going to go all in. And what I thought about is, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as an opportunity to practice mirroring and see how much of this guy's story that I can learn. And so I asked him, I said, so where are you from, man? Like, are you from here in Nashville? And he said, oh, no. Well, uh, he said, we've been here now for, I think it was about six months. He said, you know, our, our whole family just moved from East Tennessee. And I said, oh, East Tennessee, huh? And he said, uh, yeah, man, we just came from a, a really rough time out there. Oh, rough time out there. He said, yeah, I've got six kids and we just had to get out of there. Get out of there? Yeah, you know, it was just a really, really rough situation that we came from. Rough situation? Yeah, we were actually um, escaping a cult and um, it just became very clear that although I grew up in it, it was not something that I needed to be a part of. A cult? Yes, it was just this crazy situation that I didn't realize how crazy it was. And one of the things that I learned is that man, you don't know how abnormal something is that you grew up in until you start to experience something different. And now I'm just experiencing such freedom associated with the fact that we're out. Freedom, yes, it's just such a gift. I mean, my kids are finally moving forward. I feel like I'm moving forward. I've cut ties with that place just completely. And it's been really difficult, but it's been so, so, so good. Really difficult. Yeah, man, it's so, it's just, I mean, it's honestly been painstaking because it's all that I knew. You get what is happening here? I mean, that's not the the word for word representation of what happened, but it absolutely went that deep that fast. And it blew my mind. I was like, what just happened? Because I didn't say anything original in the entire conversation. All I did was said, oh, difficult. Oh, tough season. Oh, difficult times. East Tennessee, right? I just repeated the words that he was saying with a curious tone. And instead of simply an interaction where I said, oh, East Tennessee, right? Where no one continues. It was an invitation where people continue. And so what I would challenge you to do is look for opportunities to use a curious tone where you're inviting people not to just hear you speak, but rather you're inviting people to engage with you in conversation. And curiosity affects your tone. That's what we're talking about here. And so we want to speak in a manner that invites others to respond. And we want to have less assertions and more suggestions. Now, what's so interesting here is this is going to be a little bit uh, contradictory to one of the future qualities, right? Because one of the things I'm going to tell you here in a couple episodes is you need to be more assertive. And great coaches, this is the difference between great coaches and good coaches. Great coaches can discern when the person they're talking to would be best served by you being curious and when they would be best served by you being assertive. And this is one thing that we teach Path for Growth Coaches that is certainly not taught in all coaching organizations in the country. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of them frustrate me and why I personally think we're better. And yes, I'm biased, but just because I'm biased doesn't mean I'm wrong, right? Some coaching methodologies will teach you just to ask questions endlessly and it just becomes mind-numbing. It's like, you know the answer. And sometimes when you know the answer, the best way you can serve the person is by helping them by giving them the answer, 
right? And we're not going to do this kumbaya circle where we say, how do you feel about that? And how do you feel about that? And how does that make you feel? We're not going to do that, right? Sometimes we need to be assertive, but here's the dance. Here's the limbo. You can get really good at this if you can be discerning and wise about which tone to use when. When do you need to give people direction and assertion? And when do you need to give people suggestion or question? And if you want to be a great coach, maybe you should focus on figuring out how to discern what circumstances demand which response. And that's what's so cool about this is I'm growing in this every single day. And what's so cool about growing in this every single day is that every interaction represents opportunity for practice. That's the thing about baseball, right? It, it can be a little bit hard to actually practice the game of baseball because it's like, well, I need a handful of players and I need some equipment and maybe a baseball diamond would be helpful, right? And there's all these things. Of course, you can practice the technique, but if you actually want to practice the game, you need all this stuff, right? What we're talking about here, you can practice it every day. You can practice it with the cashier. You can practice it with the stranger. You can practice it with the spouse. You can practice it with your friend. You can practice it with your sibling, right? You can practice it with your kids. Mirroring works with your kids. I've done mirroring with little kids before. I don't have any kids of my own. So I just, I just use my friend's kids, right? And I'll mirror the crud out of those kids. But remember, regardless of who you do it with, it could be all those people, right? If you're going to use a curious tone, always use it in service of those people. This is not manipulation and we're not going to use it that way. Okay. So, so curiosity, one element of curiosity is the tone that you use. The next element of curiosity is the questions that you ask. You know this, the caliber of your conversations reflects the caliber of your questions. Ask bad questions, get bad answers. Conversely, if you ask really good, specific, poignant, intentional questions, don't be surprised when you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm having such engaging, poignant, specific, intentional conversations. But what's so interesting, especially in the leadership world, I think most of us know this, right? I think we know like, okay, we need to be asking great questions. And as a leader, if I'm at a meeting or certainly one-on-one with someone, it would be better if I did less talking and I asked more questions. And so it's in that context that sometimes we got to ask the question, okay, well, why don't we then? Because I don't think that I'm talking to any of you right now that are like, no, I'm fundamentally opposed to asking questions. And at the same time, I bet there's a lot of you that I'm talking to that are like, oh, okay, I could grow in this area. And here's what I've found with regard to why we avoid it. And here's why I can sometimes find myself avoiding it. Number one, it's difficult and abnormal. You know this, right? Asking questions is difficult and abnormal. Let's start with abnormal. This is not normal. It's not normal for people to enter into a conversation and actually start with the posture of being more interested in the person across from them than themselves. It's way more normal for you to talk about your perspective, your viewpoints, your opinions, your feelings, your desires, your hopes, your wants, right? And sometimes it's not even selfishly motivated. It's just what you know. But what would it look like for you to shift your entire focus from you, 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 you to them, 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 them? This is humble leadership. You know, Jesus asked something like, gosh, someone told me the number once. I think it was like 147 questions that are cataloged throughout the the New Testament. It's crazy. And there were very few questions that he actually answered. So it's abnormal, but it's also difficult. And, and I think it's difficult because it's abnormal. We, d- we haven't really been taught this, right? It's not something that we really learned. It certainly wasn't a class in school. And a lot of times, unless we had someone model this for us, then it's hard to be good at it. One of the things that I'm so grateful for that I've learned is I, I notice it now. I didn't notice it when I was a kid, but my dad asks a lot of questions. He asks a lot of different people, a lot of different questions. And that's kind of his MO whenever he gets into conversations with people that he's never met before. And I'm pretty positive that probably affected me way more than I realized because I had a model I had an example of someone that asks great questions and someone that is intentionally interested in someone outside of themselves. What a great example that was. And so it's difficult and it's abnormal to ask questions. So what do you do? Because you haven't necessarily learned this. Well, you practice it and you get okay with being a little bit clunky at first. Um, Jordan Peterson says that if you want to be a master, you have to first be willing to look like a fool. 
<laughs> I'll tell you, if you start doing this for the first time, there'll be times where you look like a fool, where you get to these awkward spots in a conversation. You're like, I don't know what question to ask now. Because what we don't want to do, the whole next section is about listening. What we don't want to do is have you so focused on the question you're going to ask that you don't actually listen to the answers that they're giving. And so that means that if you're going to listen to the answer that they're giving and then ask a question, well, then you're going to have to be okay with a little bit of awkward silence. And that's just part of the gig. Or you got to get good at mirroring and recognizing that you don't always have to have this original mind-blowing question to keep a conversation moving, right? But it's difficult and abnormal. So I want to relieve you. Number one, awkward isn't bad. Awkward is just awkward. And number two, just practice it, right? And it's okay. And you can even tell people. You're, you can tell people, hey, I'm I'm trying to get better at asking questions. So I'm going to do my best to ask more questions than I give answers. And it might feel a little bit of clunky. And I'm just grateful to you as my friend, as my colleague, as my teammate to someone that works for me that's willing to go on this ride with me because I really want to grow in it. Okay, second reason why we avoid asking questions. Uh, We believe the gap is information. I think sometimes we get deceived into thinking that the gap between people who are failing and people who are succeeding is information. And what I want to tell you is that the gap between people that fail and people that succeed is not information. It's implementation. It's action. The issue is not that we don't know what to do. The issue is that we don't do what we know. You know this is true for you, but what I want you to recognize is that what's true for you is also true for the people that you lead. Very, very rarely is the issue that they don't know what to do. They may even think that they don't know what to do, but more often than not, The issue is that they don't do what they know. This connects to this quote that we said at the beginning. Socrates said, learning is remembering. We either need to recognize that we have the answer or a lot of times we need to recognize that we have the means for getting the answer within and around ourselves. And you don't coach people, you don't develop people, you don't help people by simply giving out answers, right? You help people and coach people and develop people by more often than not extracting the answers that are already inside of them. And so it's really, really crucial that you don't have this belief that, oh, I've got the information, they don't have the information, and the information is what they need to move forward. Because if you do that, you'll just become Google. And I'll just give you information. Well, they don't need the information. They need the action. And so that's why questions can be so powerful because oftentimes the blocker is buy-in. And so how do you get people bought in or confident enough to know they can take action because confidence is often the thing they're lacking that's keeping them from doing what they know? Well, you get them to verbally process it. You get them to talk about it. And if you're busy giving them the answers, then if anything, you might actually devalue their confidence in themselves because they say, oh, well, he's got all the answers. I don't, I don't have any of this, right? I just need that person and I can't figure this out on my, on my own. Do you really want to have that effect on people? That's not a great coach. A great coach leaves someone feeling like, I can do this. And that's really the difference maker. Think about this. I didn't think about this until right now, right? But does the person leave the conversation saying, oh man, they can do this? Or does the person leave the conversation saying, oh man, I can do this? That's really helpful for me as the person that's trying to develop our team, right? If Kelly or Olivia or Zach or Michelle or Danielle or Gerald leaves a conversation with me saying, man, that Alex, he's impressive. He can do this. I failed as a leader right? What I want is all of those people to show up to a meeting with me, leave that meeting with me saying, man, I really appreciate Alex. He made me realize I can do this. That's a huge difference maker. And that's what we need to focus on. And questions can help us do that. Now we're going to get into specific questions here in just a second, but let's go to number three reason why we avoid questions. Uh, We assume we understand. Um, Listen to me. You don't understand. (laughs) I've learned this. You think you understand, you don't understand. And specifically, this is related to context. This was really revealed to me, which is kind of crazy that this happened so late in my career and kind of disappointing, honestly. But this was really revealed to me whenever I started doing in-person team trainings with people that I've worked with for a while uh, with regard to one-on-one coaching and things like that with Path for Growth. And I had been working with these people virtually for a long time. And specifically, I'd been working with the CEO or the leader, right? The primary person. And because I had been working with them, sometimes months at a time, I had this picture of their business in my, in my head. And 
I had this picture of their team members in my head and I had this picture of kind of where they work and where they operate and how they do things and the functions that they're using and how they're operationally working and their values and what their people probably act like and how their people probably interact with their leader. I had all these kind of uh, conclusions drawn about how things operated and what things were in the place that this person worked every single day that I was advising this person on. And then I would go visit them sometimes months into the interaction first time uh, and I'd go visit their office and be like, oh my gosh, everything I was picturing was wrong. <laughs> and, and there's the issue. I thought I understood and I had no clue. You don't understand. Don't draw conclusions. Don't make assumptions. Don't believe that you know where this person comes from. Don't project your past experience on them. Don't think you know something. Ask questions. Get to the bottom of what's actually going on. And you've got to be really, really specific. And you've got to kind of visualize, like if I'm working with a leader and I've never been to their office before, I kind of just visualize, okay, like I've got this blank slate and in the middle of that blank slate, I've got this leader standing in white space. And then it's my job to fill in the white space accurately. And the way that I do that is by asking really, really, really specific questions to best uh, understand their context. And it should be like a, um, a sketch artist, right? When, when there's a crime committed, right? I don't know if they still do this or not. They probably have facial recognition of all that now, but they used to do these sketch artists, right? If you watch a Law & Order SVU, dong, dong, right? You know what I'm talking about there, right? Law & Order. And, you know, they've got these sketch artists that they draw they draw the perpetrator and, and then people can go find the perpetrator. You don't need to think about the people you're serving that way. Like when you're asking questions about their family, when, you a- when you're asking questions about the, the team that they're working with, when you're asking questions about the meeting that that they were in. Don't make assumptions about what happened there. Ask great questions to get the context because here's the principle. Your ability to understand unlocks your ability to serve. Think about that. Your ability to understand where they came from, what they're talking about, who they're working with, what the personality dynamics are, what their viewpoint is, what their perspective is, how they understand themselves, how they view other people, what their tendencies have been in the past, what their motivations are for their future. Your ability to understand all those things with regard to this person's perspective unlocks your ability to serve them. That's why Uh, One coaching conversation can be helpful. Ten conversations can be life-changing because you're compounding context. But the only way that you actually compound context is if you get good at asking great questions to help you gain understanding. That's so, so, so important for us to think about. You don't understand. Don't think you understand. Operate with the assumption of you have no clue because that's a great motivation for asking great questions. Okay, so it's in that context that we now need to start focusing on, okay, what are the questions that we're asking? And there's kind of a framework that I always think about this with, and I'm just going to walk you through it. Uh, We walked through this in a workshop that we did for Path for Growth members a while back, and and I just wanted to refer to this chart. So we're going to focus on different types of questions, and really, we can put these types of questions in different categories. And so the categories are where they've been, where they are, where they're going, and what's the path. I'm going to say it again, where they've been, where they are, where they're going, and what's the path. And this is obviously directly related to our business. And if you're coaching someone, hopefully your goal for them is growth, right? And if growth is the aim for them and for you, then this framework of questions is going to be what best serves them. And therefore, this framework of thinking about how you're asking questions is the one that I would apply yourself to. So we start with where they've been. The reason why we ask questions about where they've been is because of what we just talked about. You don't understand. You have no clue. You don't know who this person is. You don't know what this person thinks. You don't know what their tendencies are. Even if you work with them for years, just operate with a a blank slate understanding that you have no clue who this person is. And so questions related to where they've been or questions related to context, and that's the category, context questions. How do, what are context questions? Well, context questions is, is there anything else I need to know to get the picture of why we're where we are today? Tell me a little bit about your background, context question. Tell me a little bit about where you've come from. Tell me a little bit about how you got here. 
Tell me a little bit about the background of this relationship. Tell me a little bit about your tendency in meetings. You see how it's tell me a little bit more about because context questions are often most valuable if they're broad. And some of those things are actually statements, right? But you get what I'm talking about here. They're a question because they're eliciting a response from the other person. Again, the difference between an interaction and a conversation. So tell me more about that. Tell me more about your background. Tell me more about your tendencies in the past. Can you help me understand some things that are true about you that make you who you are today? That's a pretty big question, right? But you're going to get a lot of information about that that's going to be really helpful in you advising this person moving forward, right? So context questions. Where have you been? What's your background? What do you often think about, right? What are the things that you're focused on? What have you been worried about in the past? What have been your greatest challenges in the past? What are the things you've been most proud of in the past? We're asking about where they've been because there's not just value in experience, there's value in evaluated experience. You know this, context questions. So that's where they've been. Now let's talk about where they are. This is, again, rooted in the idea that you have no clue where they actually are. Yes, you've got a person sitting in front of you, but one of the greatest mistakes that people often make that blocks them from asking great questions is they think they know what's going on. (laughs) Just assume you don't know what's going on. And so what do you need to figure out? You need to figure out what's going on because you can't give this person advice about their future and about what they're working on, and you can't help them take actions moving forward unless you actually understand what's going on. And I will tell you, there have been times in the past so many times in the past where I've assumed that I knew what was going on in the present. And and I kind of drew conclusions about maybe an employee that someone was working with or the situation with someone's team or why someone was failing to grow. And I drew conclusions about it and I started advising them. And then they would say something that made me realize, oh, I have no clue what's going on. I don't know where this person is right now. And so where they are and the categories for questions about where they are are truth and source. So let's start with truth. What are the facts? That's a great question to ask someone. What are the facts about where we are today? And then you can also ask them, like when they're talking about where we are today, is that true? Also, what makes you say that where we're at today is what it is? Right, so when someone says things are just really challenging right now, don't just accept that. Ask, what makes you say that things are really challenging right now? Remember this, the gold is always three answers deep. Don't just ask one question on a topic, go three answers deep on a topic. What are you assuming right now that we should be looking at? That's a great question, right? What are the things that are irrefutably true about what you currently are? That's a really good one. This is one that I asked with a team not long ago that was kind of walking through some tense discussions, and I totally ripped this from Jim Collins, but it was so helpful. I had them all sit down, and I said, okay, I want everyone, this this group of four executives, I said, I want everyone to sit down and write the three most brutal facts about the business right now, and it has to be factual. It can't be opinion. And they sat down and they started writing down. We had this great discussion about the brutal facts. It was a hard discussion, but man, wouldn't you rather have that discussion instead of not having that discussion? Focus on the facts. And that's focusing on truth, right? Questions related to truth so that you can understand where they are. And just as, just as important, so that they can understand where they are. You can even ask them, where are things right now? Give me a picture. Give me the best picture you can of where things are right now. That's a helpful question. Okay, then the source. So the source is related to the truth questions. It's also related to the three questions deep idea in that we're going to drive for what's driving everything else. Get to the root of the problem. And so how do you do that? Well, one easy way to do that is why, right? Why is that the case? Why is that the case? Well, I just don't get along with this person. Why is that? Well, we've had disagreements in the past. Why is that? Well, because I think that he's out to get me. Okay, well, why is that? Well, because he told me my first day that he wasn't really a fan of me. Okay, that feels like a source thing. Now we can deal with that. We've got a person that we need to say, dude, you can't tell people that on the first day. Why, 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 why? And and so that's source questions. What's at the center of all this? Great source question. A lot of times people know you just have to prompt it, right? You've given me all this information about what's going on right now that's really challenging or really difficult or really holding you back. What's at the center of all this, do you think? Let them think about it and push them to get to an answer. 
Here's another great question. What is the number one thing that if you truly solved it, it would diminish or eliminate all these other issues? Help them try to understand what's at the source of everything that's going on right now. And, and it's helpful for you to understand that as well. So we said where we've been, that's context. Where we are, that's truth and source. Then where we're going, this is vision, right? And, and this is, these are the fun questions, right? These are the questions where we get to talk optimistically and hopefully about the future. What's a home run for this project for you? What's a home run for this meeting for you? What's a grand slam for this conversation that you have coming up? What would be an absolute win for your growth this year or this month or this quarter, right? We, we establish a timeline and then we say, what's the win? Clarify the win for me because you're helping them pull vision out of themselves in that way. This is, I mean, this is the coaching playbook at Path for Growth. What does winning look like? What would a home run be? What would a grand slam be? Because so often we can't pursue a vision that we can't define and we think we've defined it, but we haven't until we articulate it. So get them to start talking about it. Describe the finish line for me. With everything you're talking about, describe the finish line. Give me a picture of there is what you're saying because leadership is taking people from here to there. What's a great thing to help them understand? What is there? What is there for their family? What is there for their spiritual life? What is there for them financially? What is there for their role in the business? Help them to define what that is. Ask them, hey, with this challenge that we're dealing with right now, what's the best possible outcome? And get them to describe it and push them to be clear and specific about it and tell them, keep going on that. Tell me more about that. When they start to get excited, when they start to get passionate, drive into that passion. That's really, really important. Vision is what we're talking about here. Okay, then we have two more categories of question. These are both related to the path. So we have where we've been, context questions, where we are, truth and source questions, where we're going, vision questions, and then the path, how we get there questions. And the things that we have to deal with, with regard to how we get there are the plan and the blockers. So plan questions. They've described a vision of where they want a meeting to go or where they want their career to go. Here's the next question you ask. Okay, well, what would have to be true to get there? crazy how when you get people to cast a vision, you know what they start doing? They start thinking about the next steps. And so you may not even have to ask this question. They'll start naturally thinking about this question, but what would have to be true? What's the next right step? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail to move in that direction? And then what are the potential pitfalls with the plan that you're currently working on to get to that vision? And then you also want to focus on the blockers. And the blockers are, what are you afraid of? And what's standing in the way of you getting where you want to go, which is that vision, or where you want other people to go? What are the threats to you accomplishing what you just talked about? And what's the worst that could happen that you're maybe thinking about or anxious about? Those are blocker questions. And those are questions, both blockers and plan, that talk about how we get there. And man, if you can help people understand where they've been, and then if you can help them get their head wrapped around where they currently are, and then if you can help a, them cast a vision of where they want to be, and then if you can help them talk about the plan, you've become a really effective coach for them, and you've helped them unleash their best that they couldn't have done without someone mirroring them and asking great questions and pulling things out of them. That's so absolutely crucial. Specific questions yield specific answers. If you're getting bad answers, maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons why is because you're asking bad questions. And like we already said, this is not something that is normal and it's not something that is natural. You are not going to be able to rattle off a billion questions about where they've been and where they are and where they're going and what they're going to do to get there right off the bat. You can literally have a paper that you read sometimes and just start taking notes, right? But You'll start to piece together this framework if you do it, if you practice it, and you'll get better at it. But if you want to be a master in service of others, you got to first be willing to look like a fool. Okay, uh, and then we need to focus on the way that we listen. So we said we need to focus on the tone that we use, and then we need to focus on the questions we ask, and then we need to focus on the way that we listen. And 
for this section, um, I don't want to get hyper-tactical because I feel like we just did a lot of that. I just want to tell you a story about someone listening to me that greatly impacted the way that I view my business, the way that I view my life, and it served me so much. And some of you have heard this story before, but I was sitting down with Michael Hyatt, and he's just someone that has been so generous to spend time with me. He's someone that I look up to a great deal as a communicator, as a leader, uh, as a man, and as a Christ follower. And he's just become someone that I look to as a mentor and as a friend. And we were sitting down for lunch and, you know, he kind of lets me talk about where I am mentally, emotionally, and where the business is and things like that. And so I was talking about that. And specifically, we were talking about the fact that I had seen and observed many businesses um, scale in such a way that it becomes miserable for the people that work for them and for the leader themselves. And I was talking about the fact that I didn't want that for Path for Growth, obviously, right? We're focused on practicing healthy growth and misery and healthy growth don't really pair well together. And so I was kind of talking through this and I was kind of talking through this probably in a little bit of a depressive way, right? And I was pretty heavy about it. It was something that, especially at that time, this was months ago, was really, really weighing on me and it was causing me um, to be really uh, probably pretentious and anxious. And it was in that context that, here's what I said. I said, you know, I'm just terrified that we're going to scale this business to such a degree that it becomes an absolute nightmare. And he said, Alex, stop. And I, I said, okay. And he looked at me and he said, let me ask you a question. This is a great example of great listening. And I want you to think about this. He said, let me ask a question. If someone walked into this restaurant right now with an AK-47 and started shooting up the place what word would you use to describe how you felt? Because you've already used the word terrified. And once you've used the word terrified, there's not much further that you can go. And he said, here's the principle you need to understand. Your words do not create reality, but they do define how you perceive reality. And you better not be surprised that if you say that you are terrified, you are going to start acting terrified. And so with regard to everything surrounding your business and everything you're talking about, I would feel way better if you started using words like hesitant instead of words like terrified. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, it's a mic drop. It's a Michael Hyatt drop, right? Like that's just like, what on earth? Mind blowing moment that I will never forget that all happened because he was listening to the words that I was saying. And what I want you to hear is that the passive coach hears concepts. You just hear concepts and you hear what people are trying to describe about what's going on. The active coach, which is the role that Michael Hyatt played in that conversation for me, listens to language. What is the language that people are using? Because language is the best tool that people have to convey their mental, emotional, and internal state. And the language they use can tell you a lot about where they're at mentally, emotionally, and internally. But so often we just miss it because we're too busy hearing concepts. And this is a hard skill to develop, but active listening demands that you really focus on what are the areas that this person is talking about emotions. They're excited, they're angry, they're terrified, they're anxious, they're fearful, they're disappointed, right? When they use an emotion word, there's power in emotions and you should always key in on the emotions. Why anxious? Why angry? Why terrified? You should be listening for exaggeration when people say, it's always this way, or it's never this way, or I just, I can't be a leader. People will say things generally that aren't actually true, and if you're listening for it, you can call it out, and good coaches will call it out. You can say, really, never not true, or they never do this, or your team never respects you, or you've never been able to do something like this? Is that actually true or is that an exaggeration? You serve someone by listening for their exaggerations. You also serve someone by listening for untruth. What are the things that they are saying with certainty that they're not actually certain about? That's really important for you to recognize. 
I, I literally had someone, I think it was today on a coaching call, and, and they said something to the fact of, it's just absolutely impossible to find. It's just so rare. And I said, stop. Is it absolutely impossible or is it so rare? Because those are two radically different things. And you coach someone whenever you call out their untruth because one of those things is untrue and you got to be listening clearly. You got to be listening like a hawk. Your mind has to be absolutely dialed in sometimes more than there is to the language that you're using. And you got to say, hey, is it absolutely not true or is it rare? Because if it's absolutely not true, then why are we even spending time talking about it? If it's impossible, why are we spending time talking about it? If it's rare, well, then that's how you should be operating. It's rare, but it's possible. And that can change your mindset. And if you change your mindset, you change your actions. But if they're operating in a state of untruth, they'll never change their actions. And so calling out untruth. And then finally, getting them to talk about hidden truth. And this is where you got to be really careful. But you'll interact with people sometimes that, that talk at such a fast pace and they just vent, right? And your job in that situation as a coach more often than not is to slow them down, to write down important details as they're venting and to come back to them and to zoom in on things because so often we skim over hidden truth that we actually need to be focusing on. And so slowing them down and challenging them to talk about particularities, challenging them to talk about really, really, really small details because there's hidden truth in small details that really matters. But the idea behind all this and the concept behind all this is that you need to be able to listen, listen for language. And so we're listening for emotion. We're listening for exaggeration. We're listening for untruth and we're listening for hidden truth. So let's recap real quick. We said curiosity is absolutely important because good coaches give answers to people. Great coaches extract answers from people. And there's three elements of curiosity that we focused on in this podcast. We focused on the tone that you use because tone is often the difference between an interaction that's short and a conversation that's long. We focused on the questions that you ask because if you ask specific questions, you get specific answers and then we focused on the way that you listen because the passive coach hears concepts. The active coach listens to language. Remember that we're always using these tactics in service of the person that we're having a conversation with. Y'all, I hope that this was valuable. If you are interested in getting more content from me and Path for Growth, there's two ways that you can do that. Number one, please subscribe to this podcast and also rate and review this podcast. That really helps me um, to see what y'all are thinking, good or bad, about the content that we are releasing. And then the second way is that every Wednesday, we send out an email called Worth It Wednesday. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. There's so many of y'all that are a part of that growing community, and we're just having a blast sending out those emails. And what's so cool is to see the way that you're using it and sharing it with your teams. So thank you. If you want to get on the Worth It Wednesday email list, that's in the show notes of this episode or available at pathforgrowth.com. Y'all, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.